Ah. So we're live from the big town bathhouse. <laughs> big town hot In Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> ah, so we are on uh, day three of a bender. It's been a pretty long weekend. Steve probably feels like he's been here for three weeks. <laughs> well, I'm here. I'm having a relaxing weekend. We, I mean, we ripped it. We ripped it pretty hard Friday night. This is probably our fourth time in the hot tub since Steve's gotten here. Yeah. Uh, we've been we've been soaking, and saturating, keeping the bodies healed. It's, it feels good for you. It does feel good for the listeners. If there's audio interference or colorful noise in the background, that's because we're recording this outside from Ed's hot tub. There's gonna be some drips. There's gonna be some helicopters flying over. Barking dogs. Barking dogs. People walking by. Horns honking. We're expecting a, a good mix of uh, silly shit. It's unpredictable, that's what makes it fun. Maybe these mics will drop in the water, I'll electrocute and die. <laughs> <laughs> that's the last thing I need, but... It's, it's not high on the list of things you want. <laughs> uh, it's Valentine's Day. Steve sacrificed Valentine's Day with his wife and child no. to be here in Baltimore. We'll just do it tomorrow afternoon when I get home. <laughs> Kelly is sacrificing her Valentine's Day to have a hooligan staying in the house. Yeah, you. I'm the voice of reason. The best Valentine's Day gift you could get her was to have me here so she could have another reasonable person in the house for a couple of days to validate her points. So we watched uh, an episode of Key and Peele and an episode of SNL to compare and contrast SNL. sketch comedy. SNL fucking sucks. They need to cancel that shit. I know it ebbs and flows with talent, but... Wow, is it I, tough. Considering they do nonstop political impersonations, I think you'd really like it. Yeah, it was, I could do better. <laughs> the girl who did the, the Lindsey Graham did the exact same thing when she did Rudy. Same character, just they styled them different. They're almost the same person, though. Wild conspiracy yeah. theories, old white men, questionable ethics, questionable morality. Lindsey Graham has better hair. I guess. I don't know. Rudy had like a his hair dye running down his face in that one conference. Yeah. Is yeah. that what it was determined to be? Yeah, it was hair dye. Yeah. Running down. Like they probably just did some like like box just for men color. And it probably <laughs> he had done it like very recently and it had and before. he probably sweat and it was just running out the side of his head. It's gross. You know, yeah, it's it's pretty gross. It's unbecoming. I don't understand why him and Trump dress like shit. Like, you see Biden, and I think part of the thing that they did strategically was they knew people were saying he's old, he's slow, he's this and that. I think they intentionally slimmed him down and made sure his haircut was good and that he was dressed well and his suits were tailored well and he had a nice watch and nice shoes. And I think when they had him jog out to the podium, I think that was 100% planned to show people the dude's healthy. You look at Rudy and Trump. They look like <laughs> something we would have found in the park an hour ago when we went out for a walk. <laughs> They Bart. look like the trash that somebody tried to throw into the dumpster the day of trash day when the, when the dumpster was overflowing. <laughs> and you throw it on top of the pile of trash, but then it falls out and it hits the bottom and there's coffee grounds and like banana peels all over the place. That's what those guys look like. Do you think they gave Biden uh, steroids or some other performance enhancing drugs? I would imagine. I'm going to be honest. I think that they probably got him on an exercise routine and they probably worked on his diet to make sure that he looked healthy and young and his skin looked good. I mean... If you eat McDonald's every day like Trump, your skin's not going to look good. He looks good. He's definitely an older guy, and, and I think that they know that he's kind of a low talker and he stammers sometimes, so they have to make him look physically like he's adept. Do you think our skin's going to look bad at the end of this weekend of excess? 1,000%. Oh, man. There is no excuse for anything other than fucking kale for the next two weeks after this, so. 
Oh, we'll, be right, we'll be right back to the January health challenge. It's been fun. Here, here's a little splashing for the audience. Yeah. Give you, a, give you a taste of what we're dealing with here. A taste of your own medicine. So we... Uh, Water's 104 degrees currently. It's nice. Toasty. 34 degrees outside. So it's a good contrast. Some snow, some ice on the ground. So we just saw, we went out for a walk. We interrupted a drug deal. We saw the local park. We saw some stray cats, which I felt bad for because they were kind of nice looking cats, but one of them had a huge gash right over his uh, eyebrow. Definitely alley cats. I thought they might actually kind of attack us when we were walking by, so I was like, I'm good. So the strategy in this neighborhood is stray cats get picked up by the animal shelter or mm. people bring them down there. They tag them. They give them their shots. They're like sharks. And then they release them back into the streets to go after rats. So Not a bad idea. The benefit is, is our neighborhood has almost no rats. I haven't seen a rat in this neighborhood in almost two years. The downside of this is we have cats. Stray cats. We have stray cats <laughs> like rats. So last year we had, uh, we had all these plants out here, all these planters. We used to have a very low fence. We had a four foot fence. We replaced with a, a seven foot fence. This four foot fence, it allowed the cats to get in here and they turned our planters into litter boxes. So we had like 15 planters back here. They became 15 disgusting litter boxes, but it's better than rats. Anything's better than rats except roaches. The roaches live under the concrete and they do come out when you step on them. It gets so really gross. weird. Uh, city life though, you know? Can't beat it. What'd you think of our uh, our local drug dealer? How, how was his performance? That was smooth. Well, the thing that I thought was a little funny. A little was, too obvious, I thought. So the hand-to-hand -hand transaction was smooth, but the fact that the kid walked out, and you could tell he was going to buy dope, just looking at him. Right, right. I mean, you think that he would have just waited till we walked by? I can't believe drug deals still happen on the street. Like, it's the internet age. Like, I feel like you can put this shit on, like, a Craigslist or uh, or Facebook or Xbox Live. You could be doing these drug deals. I, I can't believe you have to still stand on the street corner. I, I mean, you still see it in Boston, too. You still yeah, see people deal drugs on the street. Why, though? It's, it's like, crazy. It's like we when we moved in, we had prostitutes in front of the house every night walking, just waiting for someone to pick them up. And I'm like, how is this not an online service by now? I think some of these people are still kind of low tech. They're still doing it the old fashioned way. It's like barbers who don't take appointments and they just still do walk-ins oh. and they and they try to crank out as many haircuts as they can in a day. And they're just they're just old fashioned and they're not interested. I mean, if you're a low down poverty-stricken drug dealer, and that's who your clientele is. You're not selling to the business people coming in for the weekends who want coke. Maybe you're like, I don't need these people coming to my house. My flip phone doesn't get Craigslist very well, so I gotta... Yeah, well, where do you think you have less of a chance of getting robbed? Just dropping the drugs off to somebody's car, or if people figure out that you're selling drugs out of a specific spot every day of the week? That's the other thing. When you're wealthy enough, the guy rides up to your house on his bicycle and knocks well, when, on When your you're wealthy door enough, your doctor just gets your drugs for you. Oh, that's true. You got the synthetic version. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it's hard to get cocaine, so my my doctor gives me Adderall. It's hard to get heroin. He makes sure I'm all loaded up on Percocet. In, in fairness, that guy could have been dropping anything at all. It could have been weed. It could have been uh, testosterone. It could have been vitamins. Maybe he was a Herbalife dealer. We'll never know. No one wants to buy this stuff, but if you become my seller now, you'll have to buy the startup box. And if I can get 10 of you to keep buying startup boxes, the neighbors are outside in there. They're podcasting, too. They are also podcasting. They're trying it up big time in their backyard. There's some sirens in the background, kids screaming. I, I like the... Omar's uh, coming. It's a, live, it's a live episode outside. People are going to have to accept the fact that they get what they get. Live from the hot tub. 
Yeah. You know, and I want to thank everybody for liking, subscribing, writing a review, and sharing our podcast, and buying merch from our Patreon store. <laughs> like and subscribe on our baby registry. <laughs> it's funny. At one point in my life, I was up in Babies R Us quite a bit, and now... They're gone, right? That day's gone. Well, just me going to those places. Yeah, I once I stopped shopping there, they went out of business. What do you buy there? Baby diapers and formula? You could. Uh, baby furniture, crib, stuff like that. You get the baby registry, and you're... A lot of people just give you gift cards, so you're just up in there spending it. So at one point, I was there quite a bit. Now I'm uh, not there. You don't have a baby. I don't. I have, a, I have a preteen. Preteen. The dangers of preteen. Yeah. A lot less danger of uh, my preteen choking than, my, than a three-month-old, so. Do you think, and I, I'm assuming, my guess is that this happens with all kids, but is this kid going to turn on you in like two years? No. Be like, I hate you guys until I turn 22, and then I'm going to come back and be like, you guys are all right. Maybe I'll hang out with you. No, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. You're going to make it through the teenage years, you think? Well, I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think anything's easy. You don't think she's going to hate you just because something in her body forces her to? Hey, maybe. I don't want to hang out with my parents because I'm a teenager now, and it makes me mad. I mean, she likes us now, so. Almost everyone I knew avoided their parents like crazy from the end of middle school through high school. Yeah, you're trying to break out. You're trying to get independent. I, I think one thing that I'll probably do is give her a longer leash than my parents gave me. My parents are kind of strict, and I think sometimes the overall strictness was good, but then sometimes I feel like it actually did a disservice when I got older and felt the need to do more, like, wild shit as I was a little bit older because I just felt like I needed to kind of rebel once I was, like, out of the house. Do you think you did more wild shit than me? Um, I don't know. I mean, I was hanging out with you the whole time. Yeah, because my parents didn't really uh, do the close watch thing, so yeah. I'm wondering, maybe you actually did less wild shit. I don't know. Here's one of the things. If your parents do give you that kind of freedom, you do get it in your head. Like, if I get into too much shit, they're going to try to snake that away from me. Yeah. And you're enjoying it because you are you are getting into some shit. You're doing some shit that could hurt you, get you killed, whatever. But at the same time, I mean, you try to balance anytime, it a bit. Anytime I ever did anything that got me close to, like, getting... I've never been arrested. And anytime I ever did anything that got me close... And I got away with it. T to be honest, I actually learned from it rather than getting emboldened by it. Like, by the time I was already, like, 20, I was already... I mean, the worst thing that I really did was I did a shitload of graffiti in high school. I burned it down for, like, four years. I, everywhere I went, I was tagging shit. I was going out by myself. I had two guys I did graffiti with. They just couldn't really keep up, so I just ditched them, and I would just go out by myself and just bomb shit. By the time I, I was, like, coming to Boston to go to college, I was already, like, kind of done with it. I had one where I was doing a piece behind the old movie theater, and a car pulled in as I was finishing, and I was like, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? Like, I was out there in broad daylight. I went around sundown, actually, because I figured out I could still see, and there wouldn't be anybody else coming around there. And I had an old caravan. I used to open the sliding door and line my cans up on there and box myself in, so people, if they just drove by, they might not be able to tell somebody who was doing graffiti in there. Yeah. And that's what I used to do. I think the blessing for me was that I was just kind of out there doing my thing on my own, and I didn't know a lot of people that were really writing from other cities. Because I think if I had found a network of better writers, I might have gotten myself in some real trouble. I feel like the main thing that a lot of people do is they get a stealing bug. I never stole. I always felt like, um, I don't need to steal, so don't steal, because there's people that are out there stealing because they literally can't afford food or clothes. And I was never in that position. I always had a part-time job, so I never stole. I stole everything. I broke everything. Mm -hmm. I destroyed everything. I really enjoyed all that. Uh, one thing I would say, though, is, like, everything I did that is, like, against the rules, against the law, I got caught multiple times with everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, constantly. 
like always running, getting caught, getting slapped on the hands. And it's like, how much can I get caught without this getting back to my folks? Sounds like, <laughs> sounds like white privilege kicked in. It could be. Did you I, get bagged at Leech Bear stealing CDs? Uh, tapes. Those cassette tapes. Yeah. It was that long ago. That was pretty interesting. I was 15. I was stealing some tapes for a friend of mine. In exchange, he was going to buy me a CD I wanted. Because the CD was like unstealable. It was in like one of those hard cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those so are tough. Like, those are tough. I'll steal you some tapes. You buy me that CD. And then we both got caught, but he ran and got away. And I got arrested. And then I hit did him up. you get arrested or did you get bagged by mall security? No, I got arrested. I went to jail. I went to court. How old were you? 15. Oh, you went to court? Oh, yeah. That was a big deal. That was a big deal. My folks are not. <laughs> what did they try to hit you with? I don't even know. It, they, it couldn't. Have, it had to have been a misdemeanor, though, because if you, three tapes would have been 30 bucks. I know it's still on my 35, record. 35, 40 bucks. Is I, it? Yeah, yeah. They charged you as an adult. I know it's still on my record. Um, they came back with some kind of plea where I didn't have to actually go through, which, you know, knowing nowadays, I, I should have just dragged them through court because they probably would have dropped it. It costs more money to drag it through court than it does to plea, so you actually win more if you go to court. So just for everyone out there, if you're charged with something petty, drag it through court as long as you can, because it'll cost them 30 grand to get back their 500 bucks from you. So just push it, push it to the limits. You got unpaid parking tickets, all that shit. They want to throw you in prison or jail for, for some bullshit. Push it through court. They'll always offer you a plea because they, they actually count the numbers. They go, if this guy pleads out, we'll get $500 back. If he goes to court, we're going to lose three grand the first day. And they do that math. So if it's something petty or something you didn't do, make them go through trial, get a public defender and make the public defender work. If the public defender goes, they're offering a good deal, you should take it. Tell him to fuck off and do his job. Now, if, if it's a situation where you're involved in a serious crime, please do not take our- Yeah, I'm advice. not a lawyer. Please, I'm just, please go get the best legal advice that you can just afford. To, just to put thing in perspective, we're, we're both in a hot tub right now at 104 degrees drinking whiskey. So. so I'm going to take me out of the hot seat and I'm going to, I'm going to bring it back to you because there was a great topic that I meant to ask you about. And that was a nice segue into it. I want to talk about your career as a loss prevention. Uh, what was the official title? Well, there's, there's different ones. There's loss prevention investigator, loss prevention specialist. I think that's where I ended. I was a specialist. Specialist. What would it be after that director of, I think they just changed the title because of, again, because of, uh, how you're perceived in court investigator is not as respected as a specialist. So when you're, on, when you're in court and you're testifying against somebody that you caught, they want you to sound as reputable as possible so they give you a better title. But anyway, so you went from thief. This is kind of like when you see a guy who's the, you know, the big con and then the casino hires them <laughs> to do like the a, catch the me if you, yeah, the, the ending of guy. catch me if you can. Yeah. So, yeah. so you worked for in Boston. I worked for a grocery store in Boston. And you were a loss prevention guy. And yeah. I think this is a cool topic because you're a big guy. That's how you get those jobs. Which is funny because they also had a big guy that came in to... They hired an LP guy who was actually a member of a criminal enterprise in the Boston area who I became friendly with. He was one of the most intimidating... Imagine somebody your size, yeah. another 50 pounds... Twice as many tattoos as me. Dude, those are all the guys I worked with, though. And, but the thing is, he didn't catch anybody the entire time. <laughs> well, he he didn't care. He, he was, was like, like, I'm not. Because he was a criminal. He was like, I'm not catching anybody. He had, he had open assault charges. He was all, knocking people out. A lot of the guys I worked with were criminals. So you had two groups. You had you had guys that are pretty big, used to be criminals. People Really, what it is is you have to be one to confront people. Right. A lot of people avoid confrontation, and they can't do it. 
So like that guy that you said never caught anybody, he was scared. You wouldn't confront him. I worked with a lot of guys like that. And it's like, they'd always be like, I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. Yeah. You could actually, and I've done this, I've reviewed their tapes because every movement they make with a camera is on tapes. And you can see they saw someone stealing and then they, they immediately spin the camera away from them or they wow. or they watch them and they don't do anything. I, I had one once when I was normally in the sneaker department, but to be honest, I got burnt out on that shit. It was a lot of work. You had to deal with a lot of obnoxious people because I was selling sneakers <laughs> in downtown Boston. So it was high well, school. Well, see, see, that's high school kids acting that's, like assholes. That's your flip though, because you were probably a pain in the ass sneaker buyer. You probably still are. You probably still ask too many questions when no, you're no, sneakers. No, 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 I don't know. I'm and then easy, suddenly I'm you're easy. selling them and you're like, hey, could you just tell no, me what no, you no, no. I was want, the, man? I was usually the top associate in, or the, in the top five associates in the entire You never had a 20 right minute conversation before buying a pair of sneakers? No, never, because I, I don't shop like that. I, I know what I want. If you have my size, I buy it. I don't try on sneakers. Yeah. Did you know that? I don't try on sneakers when I buy them. Yeah. I look at it. I say, you have my size. They go, yeah. They bring them out. I make sure it's two ten and a half in the box. I said, bring them up. There's sneaker heads who want the newest Jordans or Air Maxes. And, and that's kind of like me. They don't care about the performance of the sneaker. They just, they know they want that sneaker. Do you have it? Yeah, cool. How many pairs can I buy? And then there's people that are like, well, I need a sneaker for weightlifting. I need a sneaker for running. I need a cross trainer. I need a wrestling shoe. And those are the people that will ask the questions. So. Yeah. On the rare occasion that I've actually bought a shoe for the gym, I've tried it on and asked more questions. I will have a pair of sneakers in my closet for a year and a half before I even wear them. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, so I'm, I'm an easy shopper. I'm actually too easy because it makes it too easy to spend money. Because sometimes you buy something, especially with online shit. You go, oh, that looks cool. You buy it. Shows up a couple days later. You go, ah, I'm not really into this. And then you just never even return it. You, you know how I look at all this stuff, though? I look at all of this stuff as like kind of like a sport, right? So like when you're selling sneakers, you want the person to be concise. When you're buying sneakers, maybe ask questions. You didn't, but maybe some people do and they're annoying. Oh, they do. But like in the theft world. I always looked at it like this, like somebody's trying to steal something. Yep. We got a 50-50 situation where they're coming in with the intent of stealing. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to catch them. Yep. And to me, nothing, none of it's personal. They're trying to win. I'm trying to win. And to me, it was always competitive like that. So I got into it all the time. I just wanted to beat people. When I was stealing, I wanted to beat the guys trying to catch me. Yeah. And when I was catching people stealing, I was trying to beat them trying to beat me. So as a person that never did loss prevention, but you, I could tell when people were trying to steal. You know what I mean? Like, I would catch them all the time. And what I would usually do is i go over to the loss prevention guy and I'd be like, yo, like, that guy's about to steal. I mean, we had this one kid who was a nice guy. He had no business being loss prevention. And he was would walk around the store and we would, me and Nabo would rip on him and just make fun of him. He was just like a hipster, emo haircut. I remember at one point he was letting so many people walk out. I would just be like, yo, like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Because when you work in a store and people come in and keep stealing, it gets demoralizing after a yeah. while. Unless you're just an apathetic person. Employee theft, internal theft, is actually more annoying. That's That was my specialty. Because the thing is, everyone has the opportunity to steal. Yeah. And whether, you give them the keys to the register, literally. Right. Uh, there was one girl who was, she got caught. She got in big time trouble. People were coming in and returning stuff, and she was refunding the money to her debit card. Yeah. And that, I mean, that didn't last long, but then she got bagged and she was out of there. I'm going to tell you a time that I accidentally busted a kid for shoplifting. I was done kind of with the sneaker thing. And I was like, listen, I did sneakers for like a couple of years. And I got to the point where I was kind of like an assistant manager in the store. So I'd work in different departments. And one day I was covering the equipment department and it was slow. And I was literally in the back like this, leaning on a fixture. And there was a high school kid that was in there trying to steal. And I wasn't even paying attention to him, but I was standing in the same aisle. And he flips out. And he's like, stop following me around. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not trying to steal. I go, I wasn't following you around. 
but now you can get the fuck out of the store. You are trying to steal. I was like, dude, you're so stupid. If you hadn't said anything, I wouldn't even have noticed. Bad shoplifters are obvious. Or sometimes they're good because they're so obvious, they grab it and just fucking bolt before you can even yeah, do it. Yeah, I mean, they're obvious. Smash and grabs, right? Where they just fucking tear everything off the shelf and mm. run out the door. That shit happens all the time. You, you, Especially like, in like New York City. When I was at, Boston, well, no, it's all over the place. Right. When I was in a grocery store, they'd just go like straight to the razor blades, unload the shelf. You know, go to the baby formula, unload the shelf. Go to the shrimp, unload the shelf. And it's like, I wonder what you're doing. Those are the obvious ones. You can catch those people all day. And those are the people that, for a guy that never catches anybody, those are the ones they see. Right. And then they ignore them or they don't do anything about it. I always thought that's something worth firing people over. That's the baseline. That's kind of where the job but starts. But they didn't. They didn't fire people over right. it. They don't give quotas in that industry very often because if you bust somebody incorrectly, they sue the company and then you say you had a quota, the company's got all this liability. So they typically don't give you quotas anymore. Right. What I'd tell you though is good shoplifters, you can't really tell. What we do in the industry is we watch anything that people actually want to steal. Like, right. If you're stealing celery, nobody's ever going to catch you. Like, unless you're just, you look like a crackhead or something. You're going to get fucked. Maybe someone will be watching you, but if you're in the, if you're in the produce aisle, chances are nobody gives a fuck. Because all that stuff, you got to steal a tomato, nobody's going to catch That shit's going to go bad in a couple of days. Once, anyway, you, so. once you round the corner and you get into like cheeses, meats, seafood, that's where people perk up and they go, oh, what are you looking at? Oh yeah, you're going to buy some nice steaks? If, you, if you're dressed like shit and you're looking at a $30 steak, you're not looking too hot. It doesn't matter how slick you are, how smooth you are. Then you've got rich hobbyists that are bored, right? So you catch a lot of like upscale people and lawyers and like all these high powerful people. And it's interesting because they will come back. I don't know where the current state of the stuff is now, but a lot of times you tell people they got to come back and they'd either try to run or, right. or whatever. Sometimes you drag them back and sometimes they'd come back willingly. Those well-to-do people always came back, but then they try to argue their way out of it, which I always found funny because while they're trying to explain to you exactly what happened that you misread them on, right. you know, when they put expensive meat in their purse or put a razor blade down the back of their pants or whatever, whatever you'd be writing up all the paperwork you had to finish. <laughs> and then when they were done telling you their whole spiel, you'd be like, either you can sign this or I'm going to call the cops. And they're like, are you saying that, are you threatening me that you're going to call the cops? And I'm like, no. I'm like, if you leave, that's fine. I said, but I got to at least identify who you are. So I'm going to call the cops just to identify who you are. If you said, I'm going to call the cops, and I got up and said, I'm out. Yeah. They could probably have just left, right? Yeah. And I, chances are, I wouldn't have called the cops anyways. But you, you have this delicate balance with the police force, right? If it's a petty thing, you don't want to be calling them out for every little thing. Because in a city, they got things to worry about. They don't want to be bothered by you. They actually show up less the more you call them. But what I'll tell you is I've done plenty of refuse to sign on the forms and just taken down the person's plate. And the next thing you know, we hit, we know who they are anyways. All right, right, right. I mean, you're mostly screwed once you get caught. All you're going to get from the company nine out of ten times, they're not going to prosecute you. No. They're going to send you a civil penalty. You're going to pay a few hundred bucks out of pocket. You got to try to explain to people like this is going to be a fuck of a lot easier if you deal with this the right way. I'd have college students being like, I can't afford a, a $300 thing or whatever. And I'm like, what is the alternative? Like you get arrested, like, and then you're in court and then you lose time at school and God knows what else your parents fought. Like you can't scrap a few hundred bucks. You're a college student. Of course you can. You know what I mean? You tell your parents you're out of laundry money. Like what, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, you add it to your student loans. I mean, 
we'd catch people often stealing food and stuff. Um, if you're stealing very obvious sustenance food, chances are you're going to get a pretty big break. You know what I mean? Like you steal some cheap food because you're trying to minimize the cost of your impact because your family's starving. That's one thing. You come in and you start stealing like high-end steaks and stuff. Yeah, to sell them or flip them. And then you go, uh, well, I have no money, this and that. It's like, I had a guy stealing diapers and he's like, I didn't have anything else to do. Like my, my wife told me I had to get come steal diapers. So I stole the smallest, cheapest pack you guys had and I'm looking at it and it's like store brand. It's like the lowest quantity. Yeah. Like the guy was trying to minimize it as much as possible. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, we'll, we'll work with you. And like the guy probably still got a civil penalty. I don't know. But like. Oh, at least you didn't call the cops on him. The, those decisions were often done by lawyers and people higher in the company, right? Right. They could issue breaks. I couldn't give you much of a flexibility over arrest or not arrest. Right. So like to me, it's like I, I had anyone arrested that they were professionally doing it. Because the thing is, is they're going to come back day after day after day. They'll hit, right. they'll hit your store until you have them arrested. And then a lot of those people keep coming back. And it's like, I don't care. Oh, my God. Like the pros, man, they never they never let up. I had one once where there was a crew of kids that was coming in and trying to steal. And I think they got some shit once. They knew I was on to them, but they, they just overwhelmed me. There was like six of them. I didn't have any help in the store at the time. Yeah. I was trying to get help. And there was just some, sometimes you would just take an L. And then I was up on Newberry Street and I saw them and they saw me and like bolted and went the other way. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was kind of funny. And I was like, it's the same fucking kids. These kids are relentless. Like they just won't stop stealing. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, this is one thing I would highlight too, is like, uh, as someone who's been arrested for it, someone who has, you know, arrested people or had people arrested for it. I, I would say that if you're stealing, you're most likely going to get caught. Um, oh, at some point. Yeah. Well, it's probably a pretty short window actually. I mean, it, surveillance is increasing. Um, a lot of stuff is automatically sensed now. So, like, mm. when you pull a product off a shelf in some stores now, it actually tells them, like, this person picked a product off the shelf. Cameras can actually automatically follow you with a product in your yeah. pocket. Um, when is it actual shoplifting? Because I've, I've heard different things. Like, well, it's not shoplifting until you cross the threshold of the store. Well, there's different interpretations based on different states. But you, you know when somebody's trying to steal, when they take some shit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the current ones are. I know in Massachusetts, the law was concealment. Some companies would wait till you pass the registers just to prove their case, right? Make an ironclad case. Like, you've passed all the registers. You're not buying it. Other places wait till you get to the vestibule. Some people wait till you get outside of the vestibule. You know, it's how much do they want to secure that case? Right. I'll be honest. I, I had a couple people go outside where I chased them out, and then they would grab, like, a bag of mulch and go back in the store and pay for everything because the product was outside. So it's like, you got to watch yourself and make sure that like, it's legit. You need to prove that intent. I always think that's funny when they have stuff by the door. Like when you walk into Wegmans in Medford, they have piles and piles of Wegmans brand seltzer. Oh yeah. But it's past the registers. Yeah. It's before and past. So it's right when you walk in. You got to be careful about it. 
SeaWorld, Earth's best observational prison for killer whales, is now reopening with limited capacity due to COVID. For seven decades, we've been capturing the world's most vile, law-breaking orcas from Greenland to Japan to Antarctica, and visiting hours are now open. At SeaWorld San Diego, you can check out our oldest inmate, 56-year-old Corky Two, a notorious clone of Corky charged with second-degree murder of a pair of sea lions. Don't get too close or you might get wet with blood. Another horror show is Sakari, held in San Antonio Bay's maximum security sea world. Sakari has devoured dozens of trainers and countless buckets of fish. PETA says her tank is too small. This year, we're making it smaller. See these evil beasts from Lolita the man killer in Miami to Kohana the tax evading death row devil of Laura Parque. Sea World Global Prisons always deliver thrashes, splashes, horrors, and justice. So what, what I was saying, though, is like, I completely 100% advise that people don't steal. Let me let me put that because you're going to lose. It's a matter of time. The more you do it, the more you lose. But it's like gambling at a casino. You're going to lose. One thing I would do if somebody was stealing petty, but they did it day after day or week after week, I'd have a little notepad and I would actually review backwards and tabulate how much it was over time. Yeah. So you got away with it for four months. And then I have you stopped and you've just stolen like $5,000 worth of stuff. Now you're getting hit with a felony. I typically wouldn't because you'd have to prove all these other instances. Right, right. But you'd have that proof, but you'd still line it up where you're like, oh, I got to have you arrested. All I'm saying is I highly recommend people don't steal. I'm not going to tell people like what's a good strategy for it because <laughs> to be honest, there is no good strategy. No, there's not. Um, I've caught employees that were stealing like twenty to $30,000 a year. What for, do you think is a bigger years. a bigger problem overall, internal theft or external theft? Uh, I'd probably it, say internal. Internal's easier to get out of control. Internal can sink your business. That happened when I worked at the record town in Copley Place. They audited us and we were $100,000 in missing merchandise. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the people that were working, they were stealing. They knew how to turn off the sensors. Yeah. And they would just drop a PlayStation right through the alarm. Everything is more complicated. Uh, technology is making it all harder. There's companies that don't have security. They don't have internal loss prevention or any other system. When they start to realize their books are short, they actually hire these third-party companies that will come in and, and lace your building with you know hidden cameras and all yeah. kinds of technology. Even if you're ripping off a mom and pop, sooner or later, you're probably going to end up in jail. And when you steal... 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, hundred thousand dollars. Like we saw some huge cases when you steal that much, like you might go to prison. Yeah. And, uh, like, I don't want people to do that. I don't want people to get in that situation. Like, you know, I would rather somebody come up to me and ask for money for food than go in and steal something. Like if somebody asked me, Hey, could you go in there and buy me something like food or like a sandwich or whatever? I'll go buy them a sandwich. If they ask me for cash, I'll be like, what do you need in there? You know, I'll ask them if they don't have an answer, then they want to get drunk. That's, I mean, that's, that's their prerogative. They can panhandle like everyone else that wants to just get lit. Right. Um, but I mean, if somebody wants food, man, I'm buying it every time. You know what I mean? When you get to situations like where you were working at like a store that sold sneakers, it's like, do people need to steal high-end sneakers? Probably not. No, you had two different things. You had basically, you had high school kids and then like people with drug problems that, were, that would steal. 
Yeah. And then the boosters would, would steal. Then you did have people that were pretty much professionals that were after big ticket items. Like, yeah, like you probably North face jackets, Jordan sneakers. You probably don't have like starving people sneaking into like the Apple store to steal shit. It's probably well, you just, can't. There's nothing to steal. Right. It's just everything. All place. the inventories in the back. It's yeah. very hard to steal from those places. No, but I mean, like even Best Buy, like you're going into Best Buy still. It's probably for I would imagine that Apple has their merchandise so sewn in that you can't even do much with a stolen iPhone at this point, right? Like, oh yeah, I mean, what are you gonna do? Get it, try to get service? They'll just be like, that's stolen, right? <laughs> that's what I'm saying about technology. Like, you're increasingly at risk because of technology. Like, you are not gonna get away with. It. We had a loss prevention guy that was out of control. Like, he was bagging everybody. Yeah. And he was basically just waiting to become a state police officer, and he was just he was oh, about yeah. it. So that's the other side of it is you get people that. They, they're they big guys or they have like a history of... This guy was a smaller guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you have face-to-face confrontation. The smaller guys, almost every small guy you'll see in loss prevention is on their way to being a cop. The two guys who were best at the job were one guy is a cop locally where I live now and I still run into him from time to time and we're cordial. And um, the other guy I think was way, became a statey and they were both really good. Yeah. And the thing is the guy who became a statey one thing that changed while you were at loss prevention was at the beginning of you being in LP, you could get a little more physical with people. Whereas by the time you were done, that was phased out. And this guy had that same situation where when he did loss prevention for Home Depot, he would get in fist fights with people. Yeah. Because that's a big place where people will go in and steal drills, you know, tools. I think I lumber. did about five years in total. And when I started, it was full confrontation. You didn't let anybody leave. No. Nah. And by the time I ended, it was fully hands off. Right. My success rate was the same because, well, for one, I'm big. So guys would typically go back in anyways. But Right. But it's um, also safer for you because you don't want to get stabbed. But almost every single person that ran ended up getting arrested anyways. Because where I was working, they had to jump in a car <laughs> or they were recognizable. Yeah. Or this happens all the time is uh, I'll call the cops. A cop will show up and he'll know exactly who it is. Yes. Like exactly who it is. Like. Oh, yeah, I'll go get him. I'll bring him back tomorrow. All the stores want to do is not lose their ass on it. If they don't do anything, people will rip them off constantly. One thing that is a difficult balance is, like, you catch people that spend... Most people that come in and, and steal stuff are also customers. And That's you, true. You want them to remain customers. So, like, the whole banning people thing, there's a delicate balance there. So, like, they will ban you if you are a notorious shoplifter. You stole a ton of money. If you go big, they're going to ban you. On the flip side of that, if you're a regular customer, they look up, like, your customer service card and they see you're in there every week, whether you're spending a lot or a little. If you're a, a regular loyal customer, they're not going to ban you. See, we they never want had... you to keep coming back. They want your family to keep coming back. They actually want to give you a break. They just right. want you to stop stealing. See, we didn't really have that at City Sports. It was just mostly people. Like I said, it was either. Well, you guys were in a very. Different. You different were in a industry. touristy area. You were downtown. Right. right. Interesting mix of people down there. Yeah. I mean, you had your it's local. It's also a big high school hangout. Yeah. You had, you had your local familiar people and then you right. had a lot of tourists. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could see the challenge. And no there. one needs a pair of $150 sneakers. Right. By the time we had the guy who was on the way to become a state police officer, he would just take you downstairs. He'd be like, oh, no, I'm not arresting you. I'm not calling the cops. So people would be like, all right, cool. And he'd just basically be like, hey, dude, you're just going to get something in the mail. And then he would walk down to the downtown crossing police kiosk and be like, boom, 
then they would just file the paperwork. Yeah. And people would just pay the fine and not come back. You know, people would always try to like apologize to me like I was mad at them or something. But like I'd get them back in and I'd go, look, you left the building without paying for this thing. I'm not even debating whether or not you stole it, but you left the building without paying for this. I'm cataloging it. I'm going to send it to our corporate office. They're going to weigh it and they'll be in touch. I said, I can have you arrested right now or I can let you leave right now. And they may issue you like a fine later. Or they may not. Better it's, than going to court. I said, all I'm doing is I catalog people who leave here with product. I take the product back and then I decide whether you get arrested or not. Right. I'm like, you're not getting arrested. Be thankful for that. Or if they were getting arrested, I'd just be like, be glad we didn't have a physical confrontation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, hey, look on the bright side. I didn't break your jaw. At the end of the day, though, <laughs> like nothing was personal. And to be honest, that industry is interesting because the people I worked with in that industry they are some of the best people I've ever met because they are extremely professional. They don't take things personal. They understand mm. people have hard times. They see so much of it. Like they are actually compassionate people. It's interesting because they manage it so well. Like some of the most professional people I've, I've worked with have been in that industry because you have to be. You know, customers are one thing. When you end somebody's career and have them arrested for stealing like 50 grand over the past six months, somebody that you saw every single day and you knew them, that's where it gets hard. And like, that's where you have to keep those like professional boundaries. But man, I saw those people manage that better than anyone could imagine. But yeah, you might go up to somebody that's like, this is a 70 year old lady working the register. She's been stealing $300 a day for five years. <laughs> and like... You finally get around to catching her. And that's another thing, like computer systems got upgraded. We we're able to track more transactions. Your employee number is tied to what right. you're doing. All of a sudden, we had automatic generated reports saying this person gives 3% more refunds than anyone else. And it's like, that's an interesting number, 3%. That's like just a tick higher than the average. But then you dig into it and it's like, oh yeah, here's where they're shorting up the register. Yep. You punch in all these things that you think are going to make it justifiable that you're sliding cash out the backside, but it's all recorded. And then there's a camera over your head that's recording yeah. for months. That's the other thing about technology. When I started, those tapes lasted a week. They were tapes. Right. And by the time I left, it was a hard drive and there were six months. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. suddenly, if we realized you were taking stuff, we could go back and look at half a year to see what you had done. We could compare all of it. We could review every shift you worked. We got these huge cases out of it. And I got really good at catching that stuff just by analyzing the records. Because it's easy to conceal money. It's small. Yes. But it's hard to hide the fact that it's missing. Correct. We had a kid that when I first started working at City Sports, there was a crew of guys that were already there before the, the newer store manager. The store manager was a friend of a friend's ex-girlfriend. So they said, oh, is it, you know anybody looking for a job? And they said, you know, my friend Steve would probably like to work there. So I started working there. And they had a crew of guys that were, I liked the guys, but they were stealing like crazy. Yeah. And they basically clipped one or two of them and then the rest of them all just like got new jobs or whatever. So one of them, in the morning, you'd take the previous day's bank deposit to the bank. There'd be like a few grand in there by the time the end of the day would come and you'd drop it into the safe yeah. and then you'd be like, hey, do the bank run. This one kid was like, I got robbed twice and he was your size. Yeah. I got robbed. Oh, that's funny. Nobody else. But they could never they could never bust him. He said, I got robbed. Okay, you got yeah. robbed. Oh, I got robbed on the way to the bank. Oh, he was giving the money to his friend. Yeah. I mean, like, maybe he did get robbed, but he was telling the people to rob him. I'll know? tell you something real interesting. I did, a, I did a film project for a company that does analytics for bars and restaurants. Like, So I, I filmed this three-day conference that bar owners were paying, I don't know, thousands of dollars to be there or whatever. So I'm not going to divulge all their secrets or whatever. But sure. 
Sure. One of the things that they told them was, with our analytics, we can tell you how many ounces of liquor you're missing for every employee that works there. Right. So right, right, right. whether you want yeah, inventory, yeah. Whether you want to know if they're just over pouring or if they're hooking up drinks or not charging them and like taking the cash. They said, if you want those information, we could tell you who's giving out the exact amount for each drink versus who's costing you alcohol. And if they're costing you alcohol, they could be charging your customers and they could be swindling from them. Right. You know, you hear a lot of times about like, oh, you can't get a good drink in this town anymore. Because a lot of places have the stoppers on the bottle. So you pour exactly one ounce and then everything's inventory. Yeah. So it's preventative. Or how many times you go to a, a place and you, you spend a good amount of money, but then the, the server gave your last round for free. Right. Right. And then you're like, oh, that guy's a great server. I'm going to tip him and I'm going to continue to come back. But then the owner might be like, fuck that guy. Well, yeah. Th so this is this is the interesting thing, especially about bars and restaurants. You can comp people. Comping people is totally fine. In fact, you can estimate how much comping you want somebody to do. Like, I want this person to have the flexibility to comp 5 10% of product, right? right? Maybe there's meals that are messed up. Maybe there's drinks that get messed up. Good maybe, customer. Maybe it's a great customer. You want to do them a favor. Like, they can do that and still know where that level is and tell the person, like, you're giving away too much of our inventory. You know, you can say, right. we, we want people to maintain 7% or 8%. The technology is so good now that you can actually yeah. manage all that. I'll tell you something too, because a lot of the times, you know, I do the P&L for the barbershop. So I understand the numbers and it's the best thing that's happened to me because it makes me really look at where are you guys going to give stuff away? You know, did you undercharge a client because you've been cutting his hair for 10 years? Okay, that's right. fine. But then if everybody in the shop starts doing that, you know, you so you have to start yeah. thinking about those things. And then sometimes somebody who thinks they're doing a good job might tell the new guy, oh, well, yeah, if it's a good guy, just give the last round for free. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, the whole bar is doing it. People aren't even intentionally trying to short the bar. They actually think they're doing something good, yeah. but they're killing the business because they're bleeding it out yeah right now times are tight it's kind of funny because something like that in a good economy when there's not an uncertain future the owner would be like yeah yeah, yeah that guy's in here all the time give him a couple of free drinks and we're around we'll throw him dinner tonight now this time it's like no everybody's gonna pay yeah you know so it's it's interesting and i mean it's good business to throw something back periodically one of my favorite restaurants I know has a comp rate that is like three times the comp rate of most restaurants in, in the area. Right. And just about every single person that comes into the restaurant either gets a free shot, a free dessert, or a free appetizer. And their comp rate is so much higher, but through the pandemic, their success rate's been a lot higher too. Right. So it's part of the business model. But you have to know that's one of those things, if you believe in it, later on it might pay off. So at a time like now, when I know this person's actually been been okay through the pandemic, it's cool. But I bet you there are times where he was like, man, I, I got to tighten up on these comps. Yeah. But it ended up paying off in the long run. So, you know, it depends. It's a balance. Like, Do you ever have any close calls where anybody got wildly confrontational on you and you were like, oh, man, I just got to let this guy go? I had a guy that... uh I don't know if he had a gun or not. He was trying to flash one. I didn't want to get close enough to look. Yeah. But he was doing that thing like he's about to pull one out. And I went, nah, dude, you can go. You can go. And then I called the cops. And I said, this guy threatened me with a gun because that's what he was doing. Right. And uh, I was in the middle of Boston. I was, right. I was down there like the fender. I, I know where you were. Yeah. yeah. And uh, dude, I don't know, 30, 40 cops swarmed the area. You know what I mean? Oh, like, wow. Do you know if they ever got the guy? Uh, I don't know offhand, you know, like I gave him his picture and like, they were like, oh, we're going to, we're going to go yeah. for him. Chances are he probably popped up somewhere else a couple of days later. Even when we were like tackling people, if they were like a real threat to your health and safety, yeah. you could let them walk. 
Like they pull, it's a, not like, worth they pull it. a gun, like you let them walk. Yeah, we never had that. You know, like I said, when you work in a store and you, you know you like the store and you try to provide great customer service, when somebody comes in and they keep stealing from you, it gets demoralizing. The one that used to really aggravate me is when people would run, like a crew of high school kids would come in and they would be like, they'd have two of them distract you and then the other two would like steal the jacket. And that would get annoying because it's like, yo, if, you, if you're going to come in here and just wait till nobody's looking and grab whatever it is that you're trying to steal and get out. Okay, that's fine. But to come up and be like, you. start trying to, like, I remember, I remember, I'll tell you a couple of stories. So one time there was a couple of kids and I could tell all they were trying to do was steal Red Sox t-shirts. The ones that say Boston Red Sox on the front. And then they'd have like Jason Veritex number on the back and his name over the back. A $25 t-shirt. And there was this crew of kids and they were in and they were talking to me and they were like, and I just knew the way they were, they were like, oh, do you have the, uh, you have the 85 Jordans in? And I, I knew the way they were asking me. I was like, this is bullshit. These dudes have no fucking... Because nobody who was really into sneakers would talk about... Like, it got to the point where when I was working down there, if I wanted to go get lunch in the corner mall, I had to go up and around the back way because so many people knew me. I would get stopped. And people would ask me what sneakers I was com- were coming out on what day if I knew what we were going to have for sizes. Like, I had clients. You know what I mean? So I was like a little bit like the people that worked in the shop, a few of us were almost like celebrities in the neighborhood. And we all knew yeah. the people who worked at the other shops. So, you know, you know when somebody's like bullshitting you with the questions they're at. Because you do it all day, every day. Right. You know if they're just trying to. So that used to aggravate me. And I remember looking at um, the store manager and going, yo, his, his buddies are going to try to steal those shirts. He just hung up at the top of the register and he was just like, give me the shirts. And I was like, nice try, guys. But another time, I want to say it was somebody that kept hitting us and they finally caught him. And they called the police because it was enough where they needed to call them. They actually needed to call the police which is a rare thing and literally about 50 cops swarmed the shop and then it got to the point where it was an hour later and undercover cops were still coming in yeah. and just walking in and going downstairs to the office because whoever they bagged must have had a shit ton of warrants for like i think this guy had like an armed robbery warrant out for him so you know it's it's like he was trying to steal a winter jacket maybe he was gonna sell it maybe he was gonna wear it but the guy was just a professional thief he had warrants and if you think about it it's like some of these guys they're coming in to steal a pair of sneakers from you but they robbed a convenience store last week with a gun and it's like you're dealing with that scene dude sometimes usually not that's the extreme situation but it's most people that shoplift professionally don't have enough money for a gun because if they have a few hundred dollar gun they're gonna sell it like that's also true you know what i mean like you need to get high and you're looking at a gun no you're gonna sell it dude you're gonna sell it in an instant most people are just fucking some some of these people are just fucking criminals that's just how they operate like i'm not I'm not paying for shit. You certainly, you, you see a, you see a run. Uh, I used to go from store to store. So I'd see the same guy come into one store and I'd get him, I'd have him arrested, right? Cause clearly the guy's a professional or whatever. I wouldn't see him again. And then I'd shift up, we'd switch locations and I'd notice he's coming into the other store. And like, we'd do our best to communicate bulletins for those guys. Cause like, Hey, just if you see this guy, gonna have a problem but you'd run into these guys i'd get to a point where the second i saw someone walk in the store i go no 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 i go if you're gonna do that go to our competitor <laughs> like yeah <laughs> like our competitors across the street maybe you start over there and sometimes they'd be like well, i can't go in there they know me yeah dude you're, you're burned your goose is cooked you're done here um and they'd be like which ones do you work at and i'd be like all of them fucking get out of here that's that we did uh external stuff we did um we did internal theft but we also we were like the uh the information gathering for like human resources and we were also customer safety 
right? So like mm. you had multiple things going on. Like if somebody was being abusive to another employee, you might watch them for a week just to see how they behave. If Did they, that happen a lot? If they're screaming them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Was it usually like managers kind of abusing? If somebody went to HR and was like, this guy's giving me a hard time or whatever, they wouldn't let that person go near them again, right? They'd, mm. they'd switch it up. But what we'd do is we'd watch, we'd watch whoever that employee was with whoever else they interacted with. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. How are they treating other people? You know, how are they treating customers? How are they treating the people they work with? How are they treating their subordinates? So like you get into that, but then like the really interesting to me though is like customer safety. Like we would monitor people going out into the parking lot. If there were sketchy people in the parking lot, we'd make them leave. Yeah. Um, I, I had one instance where I had this guy walking around the store and I had no idea what he was doing at first. I was watching him for like a half hour and he's just going up and down the aisles. And I'm like, what is this dude doing? He kept leaving. He kept coming back. And then I realized he was like following the women in the store. And I'm like, well, what is he doing? Like, is, it, is it he going to assault a woman or whatever? And then uh, I realized he wasn't following the women. He was following their purses. So like uh... they'd leave the purse in the carriage. They'd step like five feet away and he'd be like eyeballing the purse. So I was like, oh, this dude's going to steal these people's purses. So I'm watching him for a while and I'm like, this is going to be interesting because I don't know how I process this. Like if he steals a purse, I'm going to stop him. But like, how do I write that one up? It's not even our property. You probably just got to call the police. Well, I'm, I'm starting to weigh like, how do I actually handle this? And uh, he actually went in for a purse and like he was about to grab it. And the woman turned and he like just casually walked away. You could tell she sensed it because she went up and she like grabbed her carriage and like was more protective of it. Yeah. So like she kind of knew, like she got the sense as well. So he abandoned her and he started like walking around again and like he found someone else and he was like just kind of shopping behind her from a distance, like a hundred feet away. And I'm like, all right, fuck this guy. Like now I know what he's doing. Yeah. So I called the cops. A cop goes, is he still in the store? I go, yeah. He goes, uh, this is pretty serious. He goes, you know, you don't see a lot of these. He's like, we're going to set a plainclothes officer and let him know when it's clear come to your office and I'll watch it with you. So I had a cop come in and then I had two planes close cops coming. And basically I reviewed the video I already had with them and they watched it and they're like, yeah, he, he got close. Let's, let's give him another second. He went in and he basically just touched the woman's purse again, like a different woman. But he was like, I don't know if he was trying to get the, to the wallet or something, but he was like starting to touch her purse. Yeah. Maybe looking to see if there's money hanging out of the wallet. Dude, those two cops swarmed on that dude. <laughs> They ran out, they grabbed him, and they just whisked him away. They dragged him outside. Like, he didn't say two words either. I mean, they... He knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They fucking swept that guy out of the store. But, like, stuff like that, we did that stuff all the time. Like, there'd be drunk people in the store yelling at people. Um, I had an old guy one time trying to buy, like, a $1,000 money order for somebody in Russia. Get out. And they're like... No. He's an old man, and they're like, who is this for? And he's like, it's my girlfriend in Russia. She's having a tough time, this and that. And they're like, we can't let you do this. And he's like, you have to. It's your job, blah, blah, blah. And he's like arguing with them. So they called me, and they said, look, this old guy's going to get ripped off for like a grand. Can you come talk to him? So I went out, and I, I tried to explain to him, and like, He's like, I'm going to get get her this money one way or the other. And I was like, well, unfortunately, we can't let you do it here. I was like, it's fraud. I said, to be totally honest with you, I said, and I was like, this is going to be hard for you to understand. But we think that this is possibly fraud. And he's like, no, I know this girl for months. I met her online. And, and we're, I'm like, dude, I understand all that. You may want to slow it down or reconsider or think about it. But he probably went across the street and yeah, got it, the check and got it somewhere else. Yeah. We'd do our best to protect our customers. You guys really cared. 
I mean, we we actually did. I mean, I th- I always thought it was interesting. They didn't take it personal like, when they stole, but they took it personal <laughs> when their customers were being ripped off because at sh- you're not customers, you're family. I'm cutting all that out. <laughs> Just beep out the name of the chain, I'm man. Not beeping anything. The name of the chain. The name of the game. <laughs> you had one once went up. Well, actually, I'll tell you. I'll share. I'll go with story first. So we had one once where I looked up. We had a camera store across the street from us, and people were always trying to rob them. But then after a while, the word got out that those dudes were packing. Like, it was like, don't fuck with those guys. You will get your head blown off. They were ready for it, too. And at one point, one time I look up, and there's a commotion outside, and some junkie snatched the purse. And I was like, yo, what is this, the 1950s? <laughs> <laughs> like where are we Times Square and like the yeah. night like what is this 19 like 42nd Street in the 70s yeah and then next thing you know you look up and the two dudes from the camera store had him like arm in arm and they were just dragging him down the street and he just looked so depressed uh, and they literally just dragged him and threw him into the police they're like here you go they just presented him you had one once where a cop uh, smacked a guy put a tell a story wow uh, you knew it was gonna come yeah this this is a tough one so one thing to keep in mind is, I mean, we rely on the police's support. It's difficult to do much about these guys. Some of them are, let's face it, some cops should not be cops. Right. We're not going to say what percentage of those cops are, but. Some hey, cops should not be cops. Some barbers I mean, shouldn't be barbers. And, it, you know, to be fair, I mean, there's cops that are violent and kill people that are by far the biggest offenders. But on the small scale, I had a guy stumble into a, a store drunk one time. And he's just stumbling in. And the cop immediately knew who he was, knew his name. And he goes, this motherfucker. He goes, this motherfucker. He goes, I've caught this guy all over town. He's like, I told him I don't want to see him in any store in the city. He goes, You can't buy food in this city again. Yeah, he was like, I, I told this guy, because he, he just keeps stealing and like he's a nuisance. He goes, I keep telling him over and over again, don't do this, don't do this. The guy comes in and he, well, we watch him for like two minutes. The guy enters the produce. You side. knew he was going to steal the second he was there. Well, right? Because the cop told me he was going to, but. Uh, oh, so the cop was already following him? Well, the cop was in my office, so he saw him. Just happened to be there. You were so, selling the cop drugs <laughs> so, that you confiscated from a shoplifter. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, uh, in exchange for a hooker. Yeah, yeah. So this <laughs> this guy, no, normal, and, normal stuff. And this is a very mild story, but this guy's just, just guys being guys. This guy stumbles in. He's in the produce section. He probably walks fifty feet. He grabs an orange and he puts it in like the front pocket of his shirt. The cop fucking flies off the handle, grabs the guy, drags him into my office, starts yelling at him about how he didn't want to see him anywhere. He tells him, what did I tell you? The next time I caught you stealing, I was going to fucking dump you in the Charles. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, you're talking about murdering this guy. Like, this is this is not good. Now, let me ask you this. The conversation you were having with this police officer previous to this, pleasant? Or were you like, this guy's kind of a dick? Look. You try to be cordial with people. You're working. Right. So there's there's been some police officers where I'm like, this guy's okay. Yeah. These people you know? are... And then there's been some where I'm just like, fuck this guy. Let, like, let, let me put it just this way. 99% of the time, we're thankful these guys are there. Cops make your job very easy because... Yeah, and loss prevention. I'm not talking about... Yeah, not... Yeah, no, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the line of work we're in where you don't... You're, you're in. I was not in loss yeah. prevention. I don't have arrest powers. Like, if a, if a cop was in... When a shoplifter came in and started looting, you'd be like, all right, you're going to help me bust this guy, right? And the cop would be like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the thing for me, though, too, was I'd be like, yo, I don't want you to get arrested. I wish you just wouldn't shoplift. Yeah, yeah, and I hear that. But so what this guy did was he pulls this guy up. I'm a man of the people. 
He pulls this guy in. This guy is clearly poor. Like, he was stealing an orange. I mean, he didn't even come close to leaving the store. The cop, he's like, you stole this orange because he had already concealed it. Which, again, Massachusetts law. That, that, that was good enough. It. Yeah. So he pulls the guy in and he squeezes the orange in the guy's shirt. And I'm like, oh, this isn't good. He's like, I told you next time I caught you stealing, you'd be, we find you in the Charles. And the guy's like drunk. And he's like trying to explain to the cop, like, well, no, no, I was going to pay. I was going to pay. Cop pulls the orange out of his shirt and smashes it against his head. The orange explodes. The guy's whole face is covered in orange. Probably hit the guy pretty hard. And I'm just like, Jesus fucking Christ. I would say the one benefit, the one benefit. The guy never came back. No, no, no. The one, be- <laughs> the one benefit is actually the guy was drunk. Because if you smash an orange on my head when I'm drunk, I'm not even going to notice. And to be honest, it took him by, by surprise. I was yeah. I was horrified. But um, so anyways, so my job is anybody that comes in my office, I got to get their name and I got to process information. I got to write up who they are and this and that. The next thing I know, the cop's dragging him outside. <laughs> I'm like. Off to the Charles. Okay, so he didn't follow. <laughs> he's not following our procedure. Yeah. And the cop's dragging him outside. And the cop basically walks him across the parking lot. And he just shh shoves him and the guy starts stumbling down the street and i'm like okay so the cop comes back in the office and i'm like dude i don't know what i'm supposed to do here because i'm supposed to write anyone up that comes in my office you just took this guy in smashed an orange over his head and took him out and he was like yeah i told him he's he's shit-faced he's like i told him go play in traffic and i'm like oh my fucking god dude so i had to call my manager and i was like hey here's what happened laid it all out for him to his benefit he actually did end up having a discussion with the guy's captain. I don't know what happened from it, but they fed it up the ladder, right? Dude, that's fucked. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an abusive, that's not the right way to. I've seen a couple times where cops took the guy out to like the paddy wagon and they just throw him in the back and you can see like someone getting in with them and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. Nowadays, cause th- this was all a long time ago, but nowadays I see all these stories about police just being like brutalizing people and shit. And it's like- They've been doing it for years though. They've been doing it for centuries, but right. I, I'm like, I know it's there because I've seen the edges of it. You know what I mean? Like you hear, you've heard a million people tell a variation of the story and you've heard people of all different races tell the story too. That at one point, if you got caught stealing from the corner store, the cop would make you pay for whatever it was and he'd rough you up and then you'd go home. You'd walk home to your parents instead of locking you up. And a lot of people felt like it was better like that. And I think besides just overt racism and the way police have treated minorities, which is almost a separate thing. But you hear about that type of policing in Irish neighborhoods, Portuguese neighborhoods, Italian neighborhoods, where the the local cop would maybe smack you up, rough you up a little bit, and walk you home and tell your parents. And people felt like that was better because you avoided the court system. And to be honest, that cop that night had that relationship with that guy. He knew his parents. Right. He'd been into enough situations where he's like, I keep telling you over and over and over again. Did he, who, who paid for the orange? He. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, that's one of the things I found interesting about Boston in general is like, a lot of the cops I talked to, they knew most of the customers that came in the store yeah. by name. They knew most of the criminals that came in the store by name. They grew up with them. They knew they were going to steal. Yep. They knew the customers that were good. I watched their hearts break as we caught, like, an old lady they knew from the neighborhood. Yep. That they knew from church or whatever, stealing. 
And they were like, oh, my God, you can't do this. And I'm like, I got to write them up. Like, like they, they would want me to cut them a break. You know, cops had a bigger leeway with that. And they still do that I did. Because my whole thing is like, everything I do is recorded. And if somebody comes back and goes, you watch this person do this and you didn't do something or you didn't follow our rules, I'd lose my job. So That's the like, big problem with, with policing is that it's like, what's not okay for you and me is okay for somebody else to make a judgment call, which could be fatal. Oh, yeah. You probably can this one, huh? Yeah, it's about there. Yeah, we can turn it off. Um, Unless you got one more, one more hot topic. Hot tub topics. Yeah, been alive from the hot tub. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next Tuesday. We'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs>